Give this choir, our choir, home choir, another round of appreciation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, ago when I was looking around to see if I saw any of the twins' grandparents, I missed. We have great-grandma and grandpa here. And I know they're not proud. You can't see their chest punching out or anything. They're not, they're, they're not, you all are, aren't you? And I know you are. It is, and some audience who <laughs> we're proud for you all. Well, we've been having a good time this weekend, the Lord, hadn't we? Amen. God has been here. He's been in His holy temple in your life. He's been present. You've asked Him. He's here, and He's here again tonight. And it gives me great joy and privilege and pleasure and excitement with you to introduce my son, my brother, my Christian friend too, and uh, my son in, in not only the Lord, but my physical, Elaine and I, our physical son too. Amen. Billy, we're excited that you're here. Thank you for being obedient to God this week. And I know you're going to be tonight. I want to pray for you before you preach. Father, here we are again. We're standing before your feet. We're asking as we have been worshiping you in song. The squires brought us to the throne. We're grateful. We see you high and lifted up. Maybe not as you look, but Lord, through the Spirit, we know you tonight. You're real, and we know that. We come here tonight to listen now to the precious, precious living Word of God. It's my brother, my friend, my son, your minister of the gospel for this hour, Billy Beaver. Undergirt him. Lord, bring back to his memory those things that you have shared with him, that he may share those with us. And I'm sure that much of that that he shares tonight is going to come from the overflow of how that you filled him up as he shares. Thank you now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And welcome, Billy. Amen. Love you. Man, isn't God good? Amen. 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 Every night has been just a blessing to me, and I hope it has to you all week long. Man, you guys look so beautiful out there tonight. I just need to get my phone out and take a picture of you. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? Well, I, I want to say something to you as a, um, as a pastor to the church. And if you'll excuse me for using my iPad tonight, I couldn't get my printer to work and print off the... I usually like putting my outline on, the, on a piece of paper, but tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go high-tech. I'm going to use an iPad, okay? Will y'all forgive me of that tonight? Or y'all say, go right ahead, right? The Lord, the Lord gives us these things so we can, we can use them, Amen. and we, see, we should use them for His glory. Amen. Well, uh, tonight I was sitting there thinking, and I was thinking about why you guys were singing and I was thinking, man, every night, every night it seems as if that God has, has just prepared us through song and through the word. Because everything that has been sang this week has just fell right in line. Have you noticed that? Amen. Have you noticed that every single night? And tonight is really powerful. I'm going to tell you something. That last song, It Is Well With My Soul, uh, I, I do know the story behind that also. And it is a, man, it was good to hear that again. Because I want to tell you something. Folks, when we can have, and I'm going to speak on joy tonight. When we can have the joy and the peace in the Lord, even through tragic circumstances such as that, we know we know the Lord. Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean we're not going to shed tears. That doesn't mean that we're not going to hurt in this life. That doesn't mean we're not going to hurt physically in this life. But we can have the joy and peace that God affords through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, for the last couple of nights, and actually beginning on Sunday, we talked about preparing ourselves for revival. And then we went through, uh, uh, actually, we went through Isaiah that morning, and then we were in 1 Corinthians. And then we went uh, through uh, Revelation for two nights. Now, 
You know, we, we, I feel, I feel like that I've, I've hit it pretty hard. I've hit it really hard the past couple of nights. And like last night we, we, we preached hard, but we, we let up on the reins just a little bit. And that was, that was on purpose. Tonight, I want to help you with that, with that salve, with that healing salve that the Lord has that he's going to help us tonight. We're going to still preach his word and we're going to probably get it. Not probably. We're going to get excited tonight Amen. because we're going to grab us some joy, folks. Amen. Grab us some joy tonight because we're going to speak, be speaking out of the book of Philippians chapter 1. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Now... Before, while you're turning there, I want to share with you a statistic. I think it was 2015 to 2017, there was a, a survey done or some kind of poll. I don't know how they do this, but it was all over the world of every single country. Out of 40 that I know, the United States was like number 18 or 19 on the happiness, the joyful scale. And I thought, wow, what is, the, what is that? What, what does that even mean? What is that saying? First of all, who did they poll? Who, who are they talking about in the United States? Man, if they, would have, if they would have polled me, I'd have been right up there at the top, wouldn't you? Do you know the number one country in the world for happiness was Finland? Isn't that a, that's a cold place, isn't it? But yet they are happy. They, they have a joyful attitude. But America was number 18 out of 40, so it was, it was down about the middle, middle ways. Well, folks, we know that there are plenty of things that can steal our joy, steal your joy, and steal my joy in our life. I guarantee you, I don't have to really tell you that, but I can state that truth tonight. But the truth be told, I know that every single one of us want a deep, seated, constant joy in our lives. Is there anyone in here tonight that doesn't want that, that doesn't want the joy of the Lord to be constant? Not just some, some days, but every single day of our life. Then I assume everybody wants joy in here, right? Amen. amen. Say amen if you want to, right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I, uh, I had an old preacher. I don't know if you guys know Brother Johnny Cook. Anybody knows Brother Johnny Cook? He's passed away now. But I uh, did when I was uh, doing worship leading. I uh, did some revivals with him, and and uh, he would always say this. He would he would look out into the congregation, and he said he would say this means yes, and this means no. He said hook up somewhere in between. He says amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you because you are amening church. You are amening church, and I appreciate. Uh, for you, because it's easy to preach in this church. It truly is. But you, you guys, we know that there are things in our life that can cause us to not have joy. It could be one email. Those of us that email, it could be one letter that comes in the mail. It could be a text. It could be a telephone call. It could be a doctor's appointment. Just one of those things that goes down the wrong road can take and steal our joy at times in our life. And it can be a, it can be a life-altering moment even in our lives. But I want to ask you this question tonight. I think we have to make the personal decision and ask this question. Do I have a personal foundation of joy in my life? Personal foundation of joy through Jesus Christ. You know, joy, God's joy and the world's happiness is a totally different thing. You know, the world says, how can I be happy? I think it was, wasn't it Bob Marley? You guys uh, know who probably Bob Marley was. He sung a, sang a song uh, that said, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Well, I want to have God's joy. I don't want to just be happy, right? A lot of things can make us happy, but we, we want the joy that, and the peace that Christ brings, Things could possibly be rattling your world right now. Maybe something in your life, I don't, I don't know what it may be, but maybe something in your life has, has stole your joy, has taken your joy. I want to help you tonight. I want to help you to get that back. I want to help you and encourage you to get that joy back. 
And you know, you may be asking me tonight, well, pastor, I know I've read through Philippians, but how am I going to get that joy back? Well, right here in Philippians, this book is unique because the reason it's unique is because Paul is not dealing with controversies. I think I said this last night or the night before last. Paul's not dealing with controversy or doctrinal uh, wrongs in this book. What he's trying to do to the church and to this church, he's trying to encourage them. That's why I bring this message to you tonight. I told my dad, I said, you know, I'm going to hit it hard the first couple of nights because I feel like we, we need that. We need to get that ground like you're a, a, a farmer out there plowing that ground up. But then we need to let that, let that ground be open and let the rains come down from heaven and let it fill us up, folks. And so for the next two nights, I want to, I want to preach out of the book of Philippians and I want to, I want it to do just that to help us to help us actually like this letter to be grateful and thankful. And I know you are a grateful and a thankful people, man. I have a, I have a, uh, just a new, not member yet, but a new attender at the church that I pastor at main street Baptist church. And this gentleman is a truck driver and, uh, he drives, uh, up and down the East coast. And so he tries to be at church anytime he can. I was talking to him the other month. And I just found out that he is from Roxborough and his family is from Roxborough. Isn't that neat? Amen. Isn't that neat? And I want to tell you something. I was thinking when I was sitting there, I was thinking about how lovely you people are. I want to brag on you a little bit, okay? Can I, can I brag on you? You are just such a lovely people. You're so fun to be around. You, you smile all the time. And listen, I know that you have troubles and we're, we have things that happen in our life, but, but you're a happy people, it seems like. This gentleman has the same thing. And I'm so thankful he's at our church because he's bringing that to us. He's bringing that to us. So I just wanted to share that, that part of your uh, legacy is down there at Main Street there in China Grove. So you're helping us along. So thank you for that. I don't know if you know any Frasers up this way, but his name is Eddie Frazier. And uh, he's, a, he's, a good, he's a good guy. He, he, uh, he was saved years ago, and, and boy, he's really, really helping us. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you. You sent a missionary down our way. You sent a missionary down our way. Listen, the word joy or rejoice is used over 16 times in this letter we're going to read here. And we are going to see in these verses today, we're going to see the exact word joy or rejoice in these verses. So let's begin reading there in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. And uh, we'll read uh, verse 1 following. And here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in, in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then he says this, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? God, again, fill my mind with your, with your thoughts, Lord. Please, Lord, tonight. And fill my mouth with your words. Take a hold of my tongue tonight, Lord. I pray that you fill me right now with a double portion of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And help me that I would be uh, out of the way tonight and that this congregation may see you. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Listen, you can feel the joy that Paul had right here, couldn't you? I mean, I mean, I can. I, I can feel the joy as we read, uh, as Paul was, was talking to this church here, there at Philippi, the church in Philippians. 
He's passionate about them. You can see by the way he started this letter. Listen to what he says. He says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. You can just feel, you can just feel the passion. You can just feel the love. So I want us to discover tonight, just over the next few moments, how that we can have that same joy in our hearts and our lives. I know many of you have had that, had that uh, you've had the salvation experience, but maybe somewhere along the line, something has happened in your life to steal your joy. Sometimes that happens. I've already, I've already mentioned a, a couple of things that could take our joy away from us for j- maybe just a little while. But I want to help you tonight to either get on, maybe for the first time, enjoy, or I want to help you to get back on with joy tonight. Back on the path of joy. Listen, if we were to sit down, if we were to go out tonight and have a coffee afterwards and I were, I were to talk to you tonight, some of you, and we were to sit there and talk across the table, I would probably hear this. I would probably hear that some of you would say, you know, Pastor, I have veered away from joy somewhere down the road in my life. Some of you would say that tonight. Not all of you would say that, but some of you would say that, that somewhere along the, the, the line, you possibly lost your path to joy from the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you would tell of times when you used to have, used to have the joy in your life, but somewhere along the line, again, you lost it. But then others of you would say, man, I've got joy and I've got joy abounding. <laughs> I've got so much joy, man. I could give joy to everybody else, man. When I walk in a room, man, it just, it, and, and not just you, but, but the, the, the love of Jesus just exudes out from us. Have you ever been around people like that? Amen. Sometimes we, we get around people that's like this. Man, I want to just say, uh, woo, boy, some of you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, and then, and then it's like, man, I want to go, I want to go over there and say, I want to make them laugh or something or tickle them, right? Yeah, come on, come on, get some joy in your life. Get some joy in your life, right? But, but then, then that may be a person that is experiencing a loss of joy somewhere along. We don't know what they're, what caused that. But we can help each other in this, and we can help them to uh, possibly even get some of that joy back in their hearts and their life. You know, a lot of you that are experiencing that overflow of joy, my dad talks often about preaching out of the overflow of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You know, we can preach out of the joy, overflow of joy. We can share the overflow of joy in our hearts and lives to other people, especially in our own personal lives and our own family. So what will it take? What will it take to either get our joy back or to get back on the joy path? I believe that Paul is saying in these verses tonight, the first thing that I want to bring to you is this, that I believe he's saying that we must build our joy. If we're to have God's joy, the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ, then we've got to build our joy on the right thinking. We've got to build our joy on the right thinking. I have a pastor friend, a very dear friend of mine. He was actually a uh, professor of mine in in college, Bible college. And he's really, really a a good pastor friend and a mentor to me. He He says this, if we're not careful we can get into some stinking thinking. And I thought, man, that's, that, that's pretty good there. Some stinking thinking or some rotten thinking. We let others control our emotions. We let others control how we think, right? We let others control our joy. Maybe they take us to the past somewhere and you did this or you did that. You know, uh, there's been people that I've been talking to before that, that, that said they, they feel so guilty about the things that they've done in their life that they feel that they can't come to church and be around other people. They don't want to be around. Uh, really, there's people that feel this. That's not, we're, we're not, as, as a church, as a whole in the world, man, I want, I want people to come in the doors, don't you? Amen. But people are feeling this. They don't have that joy. 
They don't have that joy that you and I possibly have. They've listened to that rotten, stinking thinking that takes them down a road to where somewhere along the road that it has stolen their joy. Do you know what? We could also beat ourselves up. We, we can. We can be, I'm, I'm the world's best at this, of beating myself up. Uh, we could beat ourselves up and say this. Maybe, maybe we're later on in years and we might say, well, you know what? Man, I'm just, I didn't never make it to where I wanted to make it. I thought I would be further by now. I thought I'd have this degree or that degree. I thought I'd have a huge business. I thought I'd have six kids or 11 kids. Somebody said, no way, right? <laughs> wow. My mom, though, she is a product of 11 children, though, and I know many of you probably have the same. But maybe sometimes we beat ourselves up over the present, right? What's happening right now or the future? I can never, I could never do that. I could never do that. You know, someone makes a comment to us. Wow. And then we internalize it. We take it to heart, and we let that control us. I want to tell you, I had some stinking thinking in my life when I was young. I would let people control my attitude. And to this day, there's you know, and I know that there are people around you that will, can I use the word ag, ag you on, if you know what I'm talking about, kind of punch you, you know, because cause that's, that's exactly what they want to do. Just punch at you until they get you to a point to where, you know, you've got that stinking thinking going on. And they're not happy till they get you to that point. You know what? The, the best thing I've learned to do is just, just pray the whole time while that's happening and say, Lord, Lord, I want to pray for this person. I want to pray for this person right now. Help, help this person that it don't start causing me to have that stinking thinking. I want to think right. I want to think. I want to have the joy in my life. I don't want to lose this joy. But sometimes we internalize things. And just because somebody says a comment about us or, or with us or whatever the case may be, we take that to heart. We take that to heart and we let it destroy our lives sometimes. Because that's all we can think about. We go to bed thinking about it. We wake up thinking about it. Next week we're thinking about it. Something rings our bell. We're riding down the road and some landmark just brings it up. Does that happen to you sometimes? You'll be driving down the road. I'll do that going home tomorrow night. I'll be heading, heading back to China Grove tomorrow night after service. And I'll be driving down the road. I guarantee you that I'll see some landmark that'll start making me think about something. I pray that it don't make me, you know, remember something bad, but I, I, but it, but landmarks do that. But you know, sometimes that's what happens. It could be a billboard. It could be a billboard that makes you start having that stinking thinking, right? We start internalizing this and it eats us up day after day after day. Well, Paul deals with this thinking. He deals with the thinking, this kind of uh, cleaning up and, and having this right thinking throughout the whole book of Philippians. He talks about this throughout the whole book of Philippians. And I'll, I'll be speaking about this in just a few minutes even more and tomorrow night also. But could it be, could it be, could it be, is there a connection between the way we think and the level of our joy? Is there a connection between the way we think and the level of the joy that we have in our lives? I believe there is a, I believe there is a connection there. So how do, we, how do we build this right kind of thinking? We've got to first do this. We've got to rightly remember, or we've just got to remember our position, ladies and gentlemen, some people, some people, some of us think too highly of ourselves, right? We think that we should be more popular or we should whatever. You know, we think really highly of ourselves. And others of us think too lowly of ourselves. We're the opposite part of the spectrum, right? Either too high or too low of ourselves. Well, something very captivating in this 
these verses that we've read tonight. Paul begins his letter. He says there in verse one, he says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, slaves of Christ Jesus. Now, why in the world would that be so important? Why would I even say that that would be important to us tonight? Because if we look at Paul's other letters, guaranteed, if you'll look at his other letters, and a lot of you are great theologians in your own right, you study the Bible day and night, you'll see that when Paul writes, one of the first things he says, Paul, what? An apostle of Jesus Christ. But in this letter, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. He says something different here, quite different. He introduces himself as a slave and not an apostle. And I'm not knocking Paul here because, man, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Man, he was, he was taught by Jesus. You know, we, we, we believe that, that Paul even uh, went out into the desert, uh, that, that Jesus actually taught him one-on-one. That's what, uh, what we believe if you do a lot of study about the, the life of Paul. So in this letter he writes, he says, Paul and Timothy, a servant of Christ Jesus. He doesn't mention his highest position, but he mentions his best position. Not his highest position, but his best position, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, this this word in Greek, doulos, which means one who serves another to the disregard of his own interest. This is going to become evident if you read on in chapter 2 because Paul gets back to the issue of thinking once again. He gets back to that issue of thinking. And he says that our attitude, we know this, that our attitude is to be like that of Jesus Christ. Our attitude. Think about that a moment. Our attitude. Our attitude is to be like that of Jesus Christ. Attitude is to be like that of Jesus Christ. Correct thinking or right thinking that I'm talking about tonight means that we understand our position. We are servants. We are servants of Christ Jesus, and we're going to put other people first. We're going to put other people first. That is not a that is not a human virtue. I'm going to tell you that right now. Guaranteed that. Now. Something kind of funny. I saw a, a, a sitcom one time, and these people were on an airplane. And you guys know those things that, what is it, the air uh, mask that come down from the top? Well, they had an emergency, and the air mask plopped down. There was a husband and wife sitting right next to each other. When those things came out, that husband grabbed a hold of his, and he was doing like this right here, and his wife was sitting over there. Now, everybody thought that was funny on there. That wasn't quite funny, was it? Although, now I will tell you, if we got any stewardesses here tonight, I do understand that, that they do tell you to grab yours first, right? And then help someone else put theirs on. But you know what? I would pray that I'd help my wife put hers on before me. You know, that's, that's what we want to have, the attitude of Christ. Not just about air mask. That's, you know, that's silly, isn't it? But I'm talking about the, the, the life, the attitude that Christ, what kind, of, what kind of attitude did Jesus have? He went to the cross for us. Amen. He went to the cross for us. He became sin. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And so right here and other places, Paul is saying that we must have the attitude of Jesus Christ. We must put other people first. Now, one of the words that I even mentioned, I think, last night, for love in the Bible is agape, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave its sacrificial love. But not only are we to know or remember our position, we're to remember God's grace, God's precious, precious grace. There's something that you'll see repeated over and over and over again in Paul's letters. Paul loved to use this phrase, grace to you and peace from God our Father. But there's something very important. Folks, I've learned and I learned in Bible college this. 
I use these illustrations all the time. I understand that. But man, I look back to my days in Bible college and I thank God for every, every single day that I had there. And sometimes I even wished I was back. Can you believe that? Back in school and back studying the word of God again. Those were precious days. But I learned back then that words mean everything. Phrases mean everything. A lot of times we, we just look over things in the Bible and we miss the nuggets of gold that are there for us. Paul often used that phrase, grace to you and peace from God our Father. He always put grace first. He always put grace first. One commentator even says that these are the Siamese twins of the Bible because when you see one, you're going to see the other, but you're always going to see grace first. Why is that? Because Paul knew that salvation was not by works. Paul knew it was by grace alone. Paul even said, faith, by faith alone are we saved. It's not of anything that we can do. It's not of our own righteousness. We can't do anything to earn God's favor. He loves us anyway. You know what? Man, isn't that good? Let's stop there and just praise the Lord a little while. Amen. We can't do anything to make God hate us. And some people think God hates them. God does not hate you, folks. God loves you, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you. But at times, I want to tell you something. Let me. Can I go back to the stinking thinking? I'll let people... Push me into that stinking thinking, right? And think that God is not satisfied with me. Man, God cleans that up real fast in his word when he comes back when my studies and he says, Billy, I do love you. And he's saying the same thing to you tonight. He loves you and me dearly. And folks, I want to tell you something. When we understand grace, when we understand grace, when we truly, truly understand grace, Peace, peace will flow through our veins. When we truly understand grace, peace is just going to literally. And I want to tell you something, choir, thank you so much. I could see, I could feel that power tonight when you were singing. I truly could. Man, I, I tell you. I didn't know if y'all y'all like uh, minded shouting spells and running spells, but I was about to start running and shouting, hanging from the chandeliers in here. Will they hold me? <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you something. That's real, and you've, you've, you, could, you should thank God for what you have here. Man, you encourage each other. All this week, we have encouraged each other, haven't we? We want to be able to take it out into the community at Roxborough. Can I stop here and say this, that there are people in Roxborough tonight that need the Lord. Amen. There are people sitting in houses right now, and not just Roxborough, but Person County and all around us. Man, I, I, my dad, he likes taking me riding. Uh, we've rode every day when we've been up here, and I know every nook and cranny of this place, I guarantee you. You ask me about a road later on afterwards, and I, no, I better not say that because you might test me afterwards, but I do, I do know a lot of the area around here. But I do know this. I didn't realize there was that many houses around here. I didn't know that was, there was that many people that lived here. There's developments. There's people. There's farms. There's other things. And I thought, wow, there's really a lot of people that live out here. But, folks, not all of them know the Lord. They need that joy. Some of them have never had that joy in their lives. And they need that desperately. They need that overflow of the joy that Christ can, can overflow out of us into their lives. And I'm not, say, I'm not saying that someone's going to get saved just because, whoops, you know, salvation just jumped off me onto you. But I tell you what, man, that attitude can do that, can it? That, that you go get around somebody that, that's joyful, man, you're going to get joyful. Whew. I'll go back to uh, my sisters the other night. Y'all thought we forgot about that. I dug it back up, didn't But they're just happy people, man. Amen. And when I get around them, I'm like, I can't help it. My dad had a, a pastor friend that passed away just recently. His name was Otis Goins. And Otis, bless his heart, uh, he preached, a matter of fact, till the day he died. He was on his way to church to preach. And he had a, a massive heart attack. And the car just ran off the road. 
and it stopped over there in somebody's yard. Man, ain't that the way we should go? Wow. Man, I want to go that way. I want to go serving the Lord. I want to go serving the Lord. But Otis was a man that he wasn't loud. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, like, he just had a way to be, make you feel joyful. Let me, let me show you what he used to do. And Daddy, you, know, Daddy, you can do it better than I can. But you, you'd be going around, and tonight, if he was here, and he wouldn't want to be here, he's in heaven, but he, when he'd start laughing, he'd go. <laughs> he wouldn't laugh out loud. And man, he would just make you start laughing. He would tell the dumbest joke that didn't even have a punchline. And you'd be rolling laughing right there. He'd be over there just laughing. It's just that joy, that joy the man had. And my dad, I know, misses Brother Otis a, a tremendous amount. But, you know, we, we should be like that. We should have that joy that it just exudes out of our life. Well, if we are to have the right kind of thinking, too, we, we have to remember life's blessings. Something we have to know about this letter that Paul wrote here is that he was under Roman house arrest. Now, what does that exactly mean? That means he was chained to a Roman guard. And I learned something here a while back that it wasn't just one Roman guard possibly that he was chained to. They would do this in shifts. So he was chained to another one and another one and another one. And if you'll go on and read later on in Philippians and other books that Paul wrote and even the book of Acts, what you're going to find out is that the whole guard that was, that was guarding him, that was chained to him, the whole guard, the whole guard, it said, got saved. Amen. That's like us tonight, Daddy, you and I being chained to, to Brother uh, Otis Goins. Man, I'll tell you what, if we, if, we couldn't, if we couldn't get happy chained to that man, there's something wrong with us. That's the way it was with Paul. Man, it was just it, because, listen, this man, this man was in, in, in prison, basically. He was under house arrest. He was incarcerated, but he still had joy. He still had joy. He still preached joy. And don't you know those guards would ask him, man, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with you, Paul? What in the world? I imagine sometimes they probably thought he was drunk. He said, yeah, I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit. So these guards, uh, uh, he, was, he was chained to these Roman guards. And like I said, it could, be, it could have been in six-hour shifts. And he was also awaiting, awaiting to die, actually, during this time. Awaiting to be put to death. What would you write if you were in Paul's position? If you were in jail tonight and you were chained to a guard... I'm being honest with us tonight. What, what would you write? Can I tell you probably what I would? I would f- probably fail in some areas, and I would probably start grumbling. That human flesh in me would come out, and I'll say, man, I wish I wasn't here. You know, I wished I was away from here. I wished I was out of this jail. I pray that I wouldn't say that. But my human flesh, a lot of times, and, and get that, it's the human flesh that would say that. You see, the joy of the Lord that we're talking about tonight that we can have and we do possess, that's the kind of joy that we can have, the kind of joy that Paul had. Listen, Paul wasn't thinking about the old dirty rats that were in there. He wasn't thinking about the dirt floor or the, 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 the drafty floor, or the wet floor, or the dirty conditions and all the, the stink that was in there. He was still joyful, still joyful, singing praises. Remember when Paul and Silas were in, in prison together? Man, the, the guards, they couldn't help it. All the prisoners around, man, they were singing praises to the Lord. If amazing, I know Amazing Grace wasn't written back then, but they could have been singing a song like that. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a soul like me. Man, can you imagine that just echoing down through the corridors, echoing down? And they knew these, these men, and they knew this man, this man had the joy of the Lord. A letter about joy would be is easy to write, if we were in some ritzy hotel, wouldn't it? 
Very easy to write. If we were laid back in a layback chair, well, let's see, I'm going to write joy here a little bit tonight. I'm going to write on joy. But Paul, he wasn't in that ritzy hotel. He was in that dirty, stinky prison, chained us to a guard. But yet he was still joyful and he was still writing about joy and he was telling these Philippians I love you I think about you all the time I give thanks to my God for you oh I want to encourage you he says but you know sometimes in our lives how quickly we forget the blessings that I'm talking about tonight we must remember the life's blessings, but how quickly we do forget them sometimes. At times we do. So tonight I talked about that we build our lives, we build our life on right thinking. We build our joy on right thinking. We remember our position, God's grace, and life's blessings. But we also need to build our joy on connected fellowship. Connected fellowship. Paul loved this church. He loved this church and he he, he at least mentioned you all. And can I say y'all? Do y'all say y'all up here? Okay, he, he said y'all, I think at least six times in, uh, in these verses here. Paul is trying to communicate something. He's saying we are one. There's a song that says, we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. Amen. Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Amen. Man, we could come in here and sing that and go home, couldn't we? Amen. Ooh, can you can you feel the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus right now? He loves you and me in spite of us. He uses you and me in spite of us. In spite of us. He says we are one. We're there for each other. We support one another. You know, there was a, a pastor that sent a a couple, a man and a woman, to a professional marriage counselor because the woman said, Pastor, we just got so much friction, friction in our marriage. We don't know what to do. So this, this couple went to this Christian counselor, and when they got there, the Christian counselor pulled out two blocks of wood, just like I have here tonight, two blocks of wood. And he says there is only two ways that friction can occur in our lives. Friction can occur when one, and let's say this, when one is standing still and the other one is moving, right? And there's another way that can cause friction, when we're both going in opposite directions. One standing still and the other one moving, or we're going in opposite directions. And I want to tell you something. If you know anything about fire, that's how you make fire. That's how you get warm, right? I'm going to do that real quick if I don't hurt myself. But I'm going to do that real quick. And I can feel that wood getting hot right there. That friction causes, causes heat, right? Causes heat. But folks, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And they'll know, know we are Christians by our love. What am I saying through that tonight? What is Paul saying by that tonight? He's simply saying that unity matters in the church. Amen. We may not agree on every single thing, but we must have unity. And the only way that we're going to have unity is through Jesus Christ. Amen. And through that joy and that peace that he continues to work in our lives. 
Does unity, I'm going to say this once again. Does unity mean that we're going to all agree on everything? Absolutely not. Because I love to get in a meeting with people and hash out things. I don't know about you. I, I, I'm, it's not that I, I long for that. You know, sometimes it's pretty tough, right? But when you get in a meeting, you start, you start hearing other thoughts and you say, man, I didn't even think of that. That is so cool. That's a great idea. We can do that. You know, these are, this, this could happen even in the community, much less the church, right? We can work out things like this a whole lot better. We must have unity in the church. And Paul said, Paul said here in the book of Philippians to this church here, he said that they had oneness. They were going in one direction. They didn't have that friction that so many churches in this area had during that time. In verse 5, actually, in verse 5, if you'll look at that with me, verse 5 says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership. We are partners. That's the way we've got to look at it if we're going to have unity. We are partners in the ministry. Yes, I know there's leaders, right? And there's got to be followers. I think leaders naturally come to the surface, don't you? I think leaders, a lot of times, man, we see somebody being a leader, and man, that just comes right up there. But we've got to have unity. I want to beat that away for us tonight. We must have unity. We must have unity. But I want you to look at verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8 says this, It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection, with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is why unity matters, ladies and gentlemen, tonight. He says here that I yearn for your affection. I love you, church. This is why unity matters. This is a beautiful picture. This, this, the whole book of Philippians is a beautiful, beautiful picture, not only of joy, but of unity in the church. And I believe this. I'm going I'm to say this uh, phrase tonight. I believe that what uh, Philippi, the church at Philippi had, it brought joy and it breeds joy. And that's the way we should be. As God works that joy through Jesus Christ in us and he brings that joy in us and we bring it to other people and we bring it to church, then it's going to breed joy. I think we've already said that tonight, that man, we can't, we get the can't help it's right. And then, and then lastly, lastly, we build our joy on confident living. Look at verse six with me. He said, I am sure of this, that the one who started this good work in you will finish what he started. We've got to build our joy on confident living, confident living. We've got to know that God is going to finish what he started in us. Folks, he is. He's not going to get somewhere down the road and all of a sudden say, you know what? I don't want to use you anymore. You're done. You're, you're in the, you're, I'm going to put you in the uh, dugout. We're going to bring somebody else out. Folks, God is going to work with us all. and He's going to continue, continue to work with us all. Brothers and sisters, some of us do, need to hear that tonight. What some of us need to hear is God's not done with you yet. Amen. Amen. Woo. God's not done with you yet. I've told you my testimony, my personal testimony of what happened in me in my life and, and the call of Jesus, uh, the call of, yes, of Christ on my life, but into full-time ministry. It was late in life, and God was letting me know, Billy, I'm not done with you. Man, I'm just beginning with you. Some of you need to hear that tonight. You need to know that tonight. God is not done with you yet. You may have come in here tonight, and you said, God can't work in my life anymore. And I think that I've got, or you might have said, you might have said, well, I'm tired. I've got to the point to where I'm going to coast the rest of my life until I see Jesus. Folks, don't do that. Don't coast. Don't coast. Be like my friend Otis Goins. 
Go out with a bang. Amen. Man, go out living for Jesus. And I mean, go out. And, and, and you know what? Another thing about Otis Goins, he done things without bringing glory to himself. There's a lot of things in this state of North Carolina that no one ever knew that Otis was a part of and that he done. He often went into the elderly all over North Carolina and helped them in their houses when they, no one else would come in and help them. Maybe a bathroom. This is a full-time pastor, by the way. All over North Carolina, and he would go in and possibly fix their bathrooms, fix a toilet that was, a, a floor that was failing in, or, or my dad's been right there along with him, haven't you, Dad? No, but did he beat on his chest? No. But he knew that God was not done with him yet. And God's not done with you and I yet. Some of you tonight may be feeling like that you've been left out by the curb. Remember the other night I talked about that sometimes we have a tendency to be done with people and just say, you know what, you're like a bag of trash and I'm, a, I'm done with all your, your rigmarole. I'm done with all of your antics. And so I'm going to set you out by the curb and let the trash man get you because I'm done with you. Now, folks, I know we've all been to the point that we're in relationships. We've kind of felt that way in some form or another, but don't give up. Amen. Oh, folks, I want to tell you something. If you've got a husband or a wife tonight that don't know the Lord, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You keep on praying. You keep on praying, you know, not just praying, but you keep on living the life in front of that person. And you keep on asking other people to intercede and asking other people to speak into their lives. Because, folks, God is not done with you yet. Yeah. Don't give up. You know, we sing a song at, at Main Street Baptist, and, and I, I believe it comes from uh, Rick Muchow from uh, uh, Saddleback Church out in California. But it just the song just says, don't give up. Someone really loves you. Don't give up. Someone really cares. Don't give up. Someone really loves you. And that someone is the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ does love us, and he's not done with us yet. Paul said he was confident about something. He said, I am confident that God will finish what he started. Even when the bottom falls out. What does that mean in our lives? I don't know what it means for you. I really don't. You may be dealing with some physical problem tonight that's got you just like this. Right? Just got you like this. You may be dealing with some mental issue tonight that has you in just knots. You may be dealing with some family issue tonight that you just don't know what you're going to do. I want to tell you tonight, folks, don't give up and don't let the devil, just don't let him trick you and tell you that, that your family's done, that you're done, because God's going to continue to work in your life. You know, Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord, didn't he? A little while back. Man, what a life that man lived. What a life that man lived. And then Ruth, his wife, passed away. And they're both now, uh, they're, they're down there in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And their, their uh, headstones are right there near the library. And by the way, if you've never been to the library, that is most one of the awesome places that you ever visit. When you go in that place, let me tell you something. When you come out the other end, if you've never been, you are going to get the plan of salvation guaranteed. Man, I go in, I'm saved. I'm a preacher. But I want to get saved again when I come out of there. I know I, you know, I don't need to be saved again. I don't. But I get under conviction. I'm like, man, I want to go tell everybody now. I want to go tell the world. It's like, man, when those doors swing open, you want to go tell somebody. But those grave... Uh, tombs there and those those rocks that are there for Billy and for Ruth there. I couldn't pull up the the exact thing that it does say, and I apologize, the exact thing it says on Ruth, but it does say something similar to this, that thanks for your 
patience. And something to, to this effect, that the construction is finished. The work is done. I'm with my Lord. But thanks for the patience. Thanks for the patience. Folks, You, God is not done with you yet. But listen to me, folks. I'm not screaming and holler and spitting and fuming. I want you to hear this. We've got to be patient with each other. Because God's not done with him and her and him and her and him and her. They may not be as long as far as we are. Or we may not be as long as far as they are. We need to be patient with each other. Isn't it sometimes we want someone to be more spiritually mature? And it just irks us. You know, man, why don't, why don't you want to read the Bible? Why don't you want to do this? Folks, it takes one by one by one by one. I've learned from the best people I believe in the world how to witness to others. Because I've been with, you know what, I, I, I wasn't going to, I felt like I was bragging on my dad too much. But I'm going to go ahead and brag. I've been with him in some of the worst places in cities. Salisbury, North Carolina is getting known as one of the murder capitals of North Carolina. And there's a street that people are being murdered all the time there. We went, we went to, to witness on that street one night, one evening. And we saw the, the gentleman that we went to see wouldn't come to the door. We knew he was in there. <laughs> we were beating up. Come on, man. Come on. He wouldn't come to the door. We walked right out the door of that apartment building. And uh, I think it was my brother and I, we wanted to go, we wanted to go, go on, you know, you know, young guys, we want to go on home. Well, we're done. You know, we couldn't get that person. My dad, come on, come on. He saw four guys sitting in a screen porch in the, in the, in the street across there, across where we were. They were rough looking guys. This street is known for drugs, big time, and murder. I was scared to death. But we walked right up to that screened-in porch there. And a couple of those guys scattered like it was a scared cat that you had just threw out on. You know what I'm saying? It was that evident. I mean, just boo. But there was two guys that stayed sitting right there on that porch. And we witnessed to those two guys. And I want to tell you. I don't know if they truly accepted Jesus Christ, but I want to tell you something. They prayed with us. They told us thank you. They, they, they accepted Jesus Christ. Both of them did, didn't they, Dad? Both of them accepted Jesus Christ right there. And I learned that day. We are, like I said tonight, putting ourselves on the line a lot of times. Even when we're sharing Jesus Christ like that. Am I telling you that you have to go in some drug infested some murder capital of the world to share Jesus well if that's where Jesus puts you at brothers and sisters you do it you do it but do it where God puts you you see some of you have people in your own home it's not that just that they don't go to church they don't know the Lord they don't know the Lord you and I need to be telling them about Jesus tell them about Jesus we are all under construction. We need to be patient with each other because we're not at the same place in our lives spiritually. And we need to, need to know that God is not finished with, with us yet. And church, Theresa Baptist, Theresa Baptist Church, God will finish what he started in you. Amen. Individuals, people of God tonight, God will finish what he started in you. I'm going to ask the uh, ladies to come up and the instrumentalists come up tonight and lead us in a song of invitation. Maybe you are here tonight and you have lost your joy. Maybe it's been something that happened in your life along the way. And maybe it's years and years since you've had joy in your heart and your life. You just haven't had that joy and that peace. 
I pray that you come and, and make that right with the Lord tonight. Maybe you don't know the Lord yet. Maybe tonight is the night that you accept the Lord as your Savior and have that joy, that joy that it surpasses all understanding, the peace that surpasses all understanding. While we stand tonight and while these ladies lead us in a hymn of invitation, I ask you to come and grab Pastor Larry by the hand tonight or me tonight. And may we leave this place change people tonight. Hymn number 417. Receive Christ, they told us. Actually, we said we'd like for you to come to church. And they emphatically told us that church over there would not let us inside of it. I said, How do you know that? How do you know that? Have you ever been there? They said, No. But then they began to tell me a few things. And I said, I don't want you to, I want to tell you something. That church is God's church. Amen. That church is God's. And they do love you, by the way. They do love you. And I wish you would come. I think they did visit with us a couple of Sundays. But I want to say to you tonight, I would hope that as Bill has said, that the community around us, our next door neighbors to this church, to you and to me, could feel that they would be welcome because there's joy. There's joy in this fellowship. Amen. Amen. And if 
there, if there is a reason that perhaps you would not feel comfortable if our neighbor would come and sit down beside us, or would even allow them to come into the fellowship with us, because they may not be the right color, or they may not be of the right status in society, or they might be, as some we've had the church before, where I pastored that did not even have a bath for a while. And really, called stink that Billy, uh, Bill was talking about. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Listen, he's encouraging us. Billy was encouraging us tonight. And if the Holy Spirit is talking to us about that joy, man, we want that joy that to overflow out through this community, don't we? As we sing, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whatever He says to you that have come tonight. Some have already come. Some have already went back to their seat. I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I don't know the reasons that you brought folk to the altar. <coughs> Lord, I don't know the reasons, and I don't know what they prayed about. But I do know this, that for whatever reason, for whatever reason that we found ourselves on our knees in the altar, Lord, you brought us here. And I pray tonight that as we go out of this room, that we feel the, the move of your spirit and the joy of you, that you heard us, and that we were obedient, perhaps, for praying for that one. Our praying for that joy, that it would overflow continually throughout the congregation, throughout the church world, outside of the building, out there in the community, wherever we go. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. Help us not to, to hold it inside of us like we can anyway. Help us not to, to, to be ashamed of it or embarrassed, but help us to celebrate and let the world know that as it bubbles forth from our heart and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray tonight. Amen. Amen. Before we close, I'm going to ask us to join our hands as we have the sign of unity together as we close. But I